You're listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. Chloe Irwin is 15 and a ninth grade student at Gretna High School. She has an older brother and sister and two pugs. At Gretna High School, she participates in one act, is a freshman class officer, is a member of speech team, and is active in many clubs. Most recently, Chloe was seen at the Rose Theater in The Dollmaker's Gift as Rosa. She has enjoyed summers on the green with Nebraska Shakespeare as Harpier in Macbeth, Cordelia in King Lear, and Arthur in King John. And she will be appearing again this summer. Chloe was honored to portray Scout at the Omaha Community Playhouse in To Kill a Mockingbird, for which she won a Theater Arts Guild Award for Outstanding Female Youth Performer. And she also appeared as Mary Fagan in Parade, in which she won the 2018 Outstanding Youth Performer for the Omaha Community Playhouse and the 2019 OEA Award for Outstanding Youth Performer. She enjoyed playing Jessica in the world stage debut of Prancer at the Rose in 2016. Chloe has enjoyed many roles at the Rose Theater, including Ramona Quimby in 2014, Wrinkle in Time in 2014, and Honk in 2016. Chloe has been in various shows throughout the community, including Creighton University, Snap Productions, Bellevue Little Theater, Papillion La Vista Community Theater, the Loft Community Theater, and Nebraska Shakespeare. Chloe Irwin, welcome to the Green Room. Thank you. We're going to start out like I do with every guest that I have. As every actress knows, you have to have a good backstory for any characters that you do. So I want to find out a little bit about your backstory. Where are you from originally? I'm from originally Gretna, Nebraska. Okay, and that is where you currently live? Yes. Okay, and where did you go to grade school? Um, I went to grade school at Thomas Elementary. Okay. Did you perform in any plays when you were there? I didn't perform in any plays, but there was a lot of choir concerts. So our choir teacher, Mrs. Acker, like put on a lot of shows and kind of picked a theme for each year. And then we would go with that. So like we would do a Christmas concert and then like a Veterans Day program and stuff like that. Okay. And you were involved. You were heavily involved in all of those. Yes. Now, during the time that you were in grade school, did you participate in any community theater anywhere? I did Missoula Children's Theater. So that's basically like a troop that comes every summer to the high school and then kids go and audition and it's a week long little program. And then there's two like college students that put on the show and they pick it every year and then they like bring the costumes and all the makeup and you do a bunch of workshops and they kind of teach you how to do that. Now you're in high school. Yes. And what year in high school are you? Um, I'm in ninth grade, so I'm a freshman. You're a freshman. Yes. And I am assuming you have already participated in some theatrical endeavors out there. Yes, I have. And you are at Gretna? Yes. Public high school. Is yes. that correct? What shows have you done? So I've done their one act and it was called Suffer Not. 
So our director took a book called Suffer Not and then put it, made it into a play. And it's basically about like the Salem witch trials. So yeah, it was super cool. Now, is that for speech or was that just an actual one act that you did for performance for the high school? Yes, it was an actual one act we did. So we went to the district competition for that and then moved on to state. And we actually won class A state. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's very cool. I would have liked to have seen that. I wish I knew about that. Have you participated in anything else? Any other plays? No plays in high school yet, but I've done speech competition. So. Okay. Yeah. And I'm doing the musical right now. Okay. And what musical are you doing? Um, Wizard of Oz. Oh, yes. And what role are you in the Wizard of Oz? Um, So I'm private. So I'm like part of the military kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm a munchkin and an Aussian. A what? An Aussian. Oh, an Aussian. Okay. (laughs) I didn't realize they had a name. I, I guess I should know. If you're a citizen of Oz... You would be an Aussie. Yes. All right. <laughs> High school and grade school productions are awesome. Mm-hmm. And I participated in those myself many, many moons ago. But you have built up quite a resume <laughs> in local community theater. What was the very first production that you did in Omaha and the Omaha stage? The very first community production was A Christmas Carol. I have to say, and I've said this before, <laughs> it, Christmas Carol is like a rite of passage. Oh, yeah. You have to do it. Of course. At, at any time. And it doesn't matter. Now, I have not done it here. And I've <laughs> said this before. I haven't done it here in Omaha, but I did it when I was in college. So everybody's got to do A Christmas oh, yeah. Carol. How many times have you done A Christmas Carol? So I did it um, once in 2013. Okay. And then I did it again this year, actually. And what role, was it the same role or two two different roles? Two different roles. So the first time I was um, in the ensemble and this year I was Martha Cratchit. Okay. Yes. Moved up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be part of that Cratchit clan. Oh, yeah. Tell me about your experience in A Christmas Carol. So how, if you don't mind my asking, mm-hmm. how old were you when you did Christmas Carol the first time? Um, I think I was about nine or 10. Okay. And that was your very, very first production, you yes. said. So what made you decide that you wanted to audition for Christmas Carol? When when did the acting bug bite you, I guess? Um, so my grandma took me to a lot of productions when I was really young. And so I guess that's kind of where I started enjoying theater itself. And then I auditioned for Missoula and then I kind of got way more into theater and just loved the idea of performing in front of people and creating art. So you decided you were going to go out and audition for A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. Was that your, and that was your very first show that you did. Was that your very first audition or Um, had you auditioned for other things and not been cast? That was my very first audition. Okay. Yeah. So you nailed it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you nailed it. Okay. So you did A Christmas Carol. For a nine-year-old looking back, Mm -hmm. what was that experience like Because A Christmas Carol, obviously, is such a grandiose production, and it's been done so many times. And of course, you had Susie, Mm -hmm. you had Susie and Carl that directed you in that. So explain to me what that was like for a nine-year-old to be involved in such a grand production your first time out. Yeah, so it was crazy. The audition process was very intimidating, but super fun because Susie and Carl made it such a like comfortable audition space and everyone was so supportive. So I did, um, I sang Oliver Twist, Consider Yourself. So that was, that was really fun. But the process itself was crazy and you meet a lot of interesting people and lifelong friends in Christmas Carol. So the process was really cool, but kind of scary for the first show to do. Right. So then 
How many shows would you say you had on you've had under your belt between that nine year old and now doing Martha Cratchit this past Christmas? A lot. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think like 17 to 20, somewhere around that. Okay. So you were probably a little less intimidated when you went into rehearse or when you went into audition the second time. Or were you still kind of nervous? Um, I'm always a little nervous okay. for everything I do. Sure. So it was a lot less intimidating, though, because I knew the process and everything that was going to happen from it. So it was less scary, but still I had kind of the nerves packed on because singing in front of people right. is very intimidating. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yes. I would agree with that. And then, of course, you obviously you had, was it Kimberly that, that you had this time around? Yes. For Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously her process is a, a little different, but did a lot of it seem familiar to you since you had done it before? Um, yes, it was a lot different, though, from the ensemble work. Sure. Because a bland Roblin also directed more Cratchit things. Okay. So I was with a bland a lot more. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it was much different being a Cratchit than being in the ensemble because it was more the Cratchits alone and then everyone kind of else by themselves. So after you did Christmas Carol the first time, then what was the next thing that you did? Do you remember? I did um, Ramona Quimby at the Rose. Okay. And that was a lead role. Yes. You were the lead. You were Ramona. Yes. So what was your experience like working at the Rose? Oh, I love the Rose. Um, It was, it was awesome. That theater is beautiful and everyone was so kind and being my first, like one of my first big roles and having to memorize all that thing that those lines when I was like 11 years old was Really crazy, but super fun because Matt was very supportive in the whole process and it was double cast. So it was a lot less pressure on me, I would say. Okay, so somebody else was also was also Ramona as well. Yes. Okay. so as an 11 year old, how did you juggle? How did you balance memorizing lines with schoolwork? And were you involved in any other extracurricular activities at school that you had to work around with your rose schedule? Yeah, I did choir at school and then I did like a kind of track type thing Okay, that I did in like fifth grade. So balancing it wasn't that hard because obviously I didn't have that much homework, I guess. So it was just a lot of like, will I memorize these lines? That was the big question. Like, I even asked Matt that, like, what if we don't memorize our lines? And he was like, well, uh, (laughs) you're going to have to. (laughs) And you did. Yes, I did. Thank God. Thank God. So some actors like to get their blocking first and then memorize their lines. Mm -hmm. And some actors tend to memorize their lines first and be off book before they get into rehearsals. And sometimes directors require that. But if you had a choice, what is your preference? Do you prefer, is it easier for you to memorize lines uh, once you have the blocking or do you just dive right in? Um, so it kind of depends on what process I'm doing. Okay. So if I'm doing like uh, Shakespeare, then I like to use iambic pentameter and kind of plan everything out with that. But if I'm doing um, a different show, I do like to have like, the blocking down so I can understand my movement path with the lines and like how I connect with people in that. Cause I feel like it's harder to have your lines down and then really be able to connect with other characters in the world than just being ready on the spot, like having your lines down. So yeah, I like to have blocking and then memorize. Do you find Shakespeare difficult or do you find it easy? I find it, it's very difficult 
but it's fun. So um, I love the rhythm of Shakespeare and ha- it's so much easier to memorize than any other thing because it's really like memorizing a song. Like once you get the rhythm down and you work with it enough, it gets much easier. So my first Shakespeare production was very difficult to understand the process. And then working with like equity actors and professional people is a lot different than like a community production. So that was very interesting. What was the first Shakespeare show you did? Um, I did Macbeth. Ooh, you did the Scottish play. Yes. <laughs> Good thing we aren't in a theater. Or oh, I know. I'd have to we turn would around be, and spit. Exactly. We'd be struck down. <laughs> yeah. Nobody listened to this podcast in a the theater. No. Or Chloe Irwin have just killed you. Yeah. So you did the Scottish play. Mm-hmm. And then what else have you done Shakespeare wise? I did King Lear. Um, and you were Cordelia. Yes. That was super cool. King John, and I did a few also readings. Okay. Yeah. So you've done a number of Shakespeare. Yes. You've done a lot more Shakespeare than I have done. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. That's pretty cool. So we go from A Christmas Carol and Ramona Quimby. And then you you just keep going. I mean, you just, you average probably about two or three shows a year. Mm -hmm. So after you did Ramona Quimby, what was the next thing you did? Do you remember? Have down A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. Yes. A Wrinkle in Time. And that was also at the Rose. Yes, it was. And, and who are you in that? And how was that process for you? Um, so I played Charles Wallace. But the director actually changed it to a girl. So I played Charlie. That was a very interesting process, actually. So during um, tech week of that show, I was actually diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, so yeah, it was crazy. The whole process, I was like very sick, kind of. And I didn't really understand like what was going on with me. Like it was very bizarre. And everyone was like, why is she going to the bathroom so much? Because I just kept going and like it was. Yeah. So tech week, I like couldn't get up to like move to go do my scene. So then on tech Sunday, we went to the hospital and I was hospitalized over the weekend. And then after that, I went right back into the show. And that was crazy because I had to climb like a 16 foot scaffolding. And so we kind of had to do a little tech rehearsal with me before. Yeah. Yeah. But were you able to go on as of opening night or? I was. And yes. was and that show wasn't double cast. It was not. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was probably a little nerve wracking for you. Yes. It was very bizarre and everyone was kind of, what just happened? Right. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, once you, once you had your diagnosis and you got everything under control medically mm-hmm. and you've been absolutely fine. For Absolutely sure. Absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you also did Godspell. Yes. At Bellevue Little Theater. Yes. And tell me about that experience. I love Godspell so much. The music in Godspell is some of my favorite music. I just love that show. And it was such a fun process because the whole thing is basically improv. So that was that was really interesting to like, instead of kind of having like planned out lines more, it was kind of just do what you want and like party. So it was different every night. And that was, that was crazy and really fun. For something like that, you have to have a very, I would say, strong cast 
and a very trusting cast. Mm-hmm. Because if it's basically, if it's almost improv every night, you need to be able to trust one another so that if somebody says something, they're not going to say something that's going to try and make you crack up on stage mm-hmm. or, you know, because improv is not for everyone. It, yeah. it can be difficult to try and very. come up with lines off the top of your head or to listen to someone and to respond. Mm-hmm. So it was challenging for you, but you liked the process. Yes. So for something like that, how did you, you were in the ensemble? Yes. How did you approach your character since it wasn't typical as far as like not having to memorize your lines mm-hmm. as much? So how did you go about uh, character development for that show? Um, so I talked with the director about it and I was one of the only children in the cast. So um, he wanted to take kind of a different idea with my character. So I kind of thought of my character as like, the children's innocence throughout the show. So I took everything very literally and like whatever happening is how the world works. So it was a very interesting process to kind of be like a child's mind being mended and like learning throughout the whole process through my character, which was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So having said that, how do you approach character development for a regular play? And I ask that knowing that obviously each character is different, mm-hmm. but do you have certain steps that you do every time? Like, do you do research or, you know, do you come up with a backstory for your character? How how does Chloe Irwin develop unique characters for every show that she is in? So when I get cast in a show, I usually um, kind of, look at the show as a whole instead of researching my character right away first. So I try to understand who everyone in the show is, what's their goal, what are they trying to obtain? And then I go into the rehearsal process with that information and then discover my character throughout the process from what everyone else is also bringing into the table. So I kind of um, look at other people's choices and then try to work around those and add to those choices. So then I build my character around that. So I would say I personally throughout the process like to build my character more than coming in with a solid character right away. Because I feel that throughout the process, when you're looking at people, you're getting notes from your directors, you're learning throughout the whole process. That's how I really like build my character and kind of decide on what like quirks or different things I do as a character. So I'll ask this question. Do you have a lot of peers in the Omaha theater community that you've worked with a lot. So for example, when I spoke with Moira Mangiamelli, I said, you've done a lot of shows with Jim McCain. It just so happens that she does. She gets paired up a lot with Jim McCain. So is there an actor, either your age or, you know, a youth actor, or is there an adult actor that you seem to end up doing a lot of shows with? Yeah. Has it been pretty varied? It's been pretty varied, actually. I think I've done a few shows with Will Rogers. I did um, She Kills Monsters and um, Shakespeare in Love with him. So him, I can't really think of anyone in particular that I've done a lot of shows with. The first time I met you was when you did Mama's Girls down at Snap Productions. Mm -hmm. How old were you? Do you remember? It was 2015. Like 13? Yeah, 13. Now, this was an interesting show. Mm -hmm. A challenging show. For sure. For sure. So tell us a little bit about that show and what it was about. So um, that show was about a um, transgender boy who was transitioning from boy to girl. And basically the family troubles that come with that. 
and how difficult it can be for like a family to get through those difficulties. So um, that was a very, very interesting process and difficult to kind of wrap my brain around as a 13 year old. So when working with um, Hannah Kate and Michael Simpson and the whole cast, they really helped me throughout the whole thing. And then um, Michael was actually directing and also playing the father in that role. So we got very close and I kind of um, he helped me understand what that meant, because as a 13 year old, I didn't really understand what being a transgender person was. So I did a lot of research in that and kind of looked into what like body dysmorphia is and different things like that and what a transgender person does go through on a daily basis and like how their feelings switch and like just that kind of thing and how that can really ruin a person's mental state. So that was that was really interesting. It was difficult to build that character for sure because I really had to like experience something that I had no experience with and like try to perfect that character and do it the best justice I could and really get the story told. Yeah, that show is so heartbreaking and beautiful. It is. And and one thing I have to say is that's not necessarily a role that parents would necessarily want to expose their children to at, at a young age. And the reason why and the reason why I say that is because a lot of parents can be close minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kudos to your family for being open minded and oh, saying, yeah. you know, this this would be a great experience for you. And it helps you now if you, you know, can spread the message to anyone at your school or anyone that you come in contact with that might be going through a similar struggle as your character was to be able to, because you did all of that research and went went through that as a character, you have a little bit more of an understanding mm-hmm. now. So it was a really powerful, powerful performance, but kudos to your family for, for saying, yes, this is, this is okay for you to do this. Mm-hmm. So for you to come out and audition and also for, for Hannah's folks as well. For sure. So, yeah. So after you did Mama's Girls, then you were in the Scottish play. Yes. <laughs> and who were you in that? Um, I was um, Harpier. And then I was also young Macduff. So, yes. And every time that that you've done Shakespeare, has it been Vince that has directed you? It has, yes. And what is it like working with him? I love Vince so much. Vince is kind of like a second father to me. Like, he's a father figure. He's very, like, supportive in everything he does. And he's very good with working with children. Like he really explained everything to me and I understood at all times, like what he wanted, what he wanted me to do with the character, which was so helpful. And just working with everyone else in that process was so interesting because everyone's so professional and you have equity rules and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you followed that up with To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. At the Playhouse, which was an outstanding performance. I just absolutely love that performance. You got a chance to work with the Bland again. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that experience. So what was that like? Well, that was a dream role of mine. I think it's a dream role of many young girls. So just being able to take on Scout as a character and like really deal with those racial issues was very like humbling. So I really got to work with like, that's a very well-known show, which was super cool to be able to kind of make my own twist on Scout. And um, the rehearsals for that were super awesome. And Ablan really worked with us a lot with getting like the dialect down. That was very difficult. So yeah, it was, it was uh, an interesting process and I loved everyone in that show. And I love that show so much. 
The one you could do again in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, 100%. So after To Kill a Mockingbird, you went back to The Rose and you did Prancer. Mm -hmm. Now that was another show that I saw that I I found absolutely fascinating. Uh, The Prancer was a very, that puppetry was amazing. Oh, mm -hmm. it was, it was outstanding. Let's Let's talk a little bit about that process, because if I remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that that was written for the Rose, correct? Yes. So that was a new work. It was a new work. Mm-hmm. It was commissioned. So tell me about that process. So you originated that role. Yes. Right. Yes, you originated the stage role of that. So what was that like? So the process for that show was actually much different than anything I have ever done. So the man who... um wrote and adapted the movie actually came in and wrote this show for the rose and then there were many workshops with the script and working with it to perfect it and make it really how matt had dreamed of it to be and were you involved in the workshop process as well um i did one of the final workshops so yes which was very interesting because i've never done anything like that i've never workshopped a show and worked with it and then went on to play the role of that So it was very cool to like kind of see the process throughout and like see it go from the ground up and kind of um, adding everything on top of that. And they also during those workshops showed us like some different puppeteering ideas, which was so cool because there were many different prancers that had been like kind of discussed in the ideas behind that. And then they brought out the prancer that they actually used for the production. And everyone was like, that is it. That is amazing. So they took that one and then kind of ran with that. And the man who built it actually like worked with a bunch of like different tools and stuff in front of us to like show us how it worked and kind of be able to puppeteer it. So and then I read with the with Prancer, actually, which was very, very cool. Explain for people who did get a chance to see it, how the puppetry worked, because it wasn't your typical puppet like you would see with like it being on somebody's hand, Mm -hmm. obviously. So explain how the puppetry worked, if you would. Yeah. So it was um, a reindeer. And so there were three people working it. So there were the front two legs and the whole thing was made out of like bamboo sticks connected together with some bits of like leather put around it to make it look more um, realistic. So they had three people. Um, They had two, one person on the two front legs, um, another person like holding the body and then um, another person working with like the back feet and then like the kind of backish area and like the tail and things like that. So that whole process with the puppet was a lot of trial and error. It's a very like fragile material. So it would break so many times. And then the man who built it would have to come back and fix it. And a lot of the like gears would get stuck when you tried to move the legs because you want it to look realistic. So you had to like perfect the like hooves and then also the movement of the legs. And you had to make those two, the front and the back people be able to go at the same time. So it was kind of like a dance mm-hmm. and it was a lot of like choreography and learning that. It, it really, it really was. Mm-hmm. It reminded me, um, I don't know if you saw The Lion King, if you've ever seen The Lion King. I haven't. If you get a chance next time, if it comes through or you're in New York, go see The Lion King. It will remind you a lot of Prancer, except obviously it's it's more than just the the bamboo. But it reminded me a lot of that with the fluidity of motion that 
the three had to move together. Like you said, it was, it was like a dance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what fascinated me so much about it was the, the three of them were so in rhythm. Oh yeah. That it just, it just made it seem very, very smooth. So did, did the ranger, did it break down a lot during performance itself or by that point was it perfected? Um, it did break once. So, um, there was also like the person running the legs also went with the head. So they kind of put their arm in the head and was able to like move with that also. So, um, once like one of the gears on the head got stuck and usually the mouth was able to like open and close. And so that like snapped off during the show. And so the head just kind of like started hanging there and we were like, um, okay, well, we're going to work with this. <laughs> so then they just kind of picked up the head and walked with it. <laughs> and then they, um, during the intermission, they fixed it real quick with some maybe like zip ties to make it better. <laughs> they were like, Oh, pull that on. And then it was fine in act two. Right. So. <laughs> Show must go on. Exactly. The beauty of live theater. Oh, yes. The beauty of live theater. <laughs> and you got a chance to work with Nils. Mm-hmm. Nils Holland. Tell me what it's like working with him. He is one of the kindest human beings I have ever met. He was uh, he was amazing at playing the father role in that. And I really connected him with my character of Jessica. And I, I couldn't imagine having anyone else play the father in that role. He was so perfect. He is so kind and respectful. And when you're working with him, he really helps you and like helps you perfect who your character is and really like adds on layers to who you are as a character. So just the back and forth between both of us really like helped me understand who I was as a character. And yeah, he is just an amazing, amazing actor. Amazing. So after Prancer, you did King Lear. Yes. And were, and was Cordelia in that. Mm-hmm. What now? So now by this point, you are a seasoned pro at Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> You've done a few of them. So what was the process like having now worked a few times with Nebraska Shakespeare? Did you find it any easier or maybe easier isn't the right word, but was the process a, was a little more familiar? For sure. I felt a lot less intimidated by everyone around me because when you're um, when you're a teenager working in that space with so many seasoned pros and amazing actors, it's very easy to like feel less than then than them. So um, I kind of had to build up my confidence throughout that and understand that like I'm in the same place as them, like and that helped with the time. So when I did another production, I felt more confident about myself and less like I shouldn't be here. It definitely improved my self-confidence throughout that. And having Vince there and Sarah there to help me along the process was very helpful because I could always look to them if anything was ever wrong or anything like that. So what is a typical day like for rehearsals for Nebraska Shakespeare? So it does depend on the show because for King John, I actually did day rehearsals. And then for um, King Lear, it was night rehearsals. So you'd be called at about six and then equity rules on nights. You can have like four hours of rehearsal and then you have to have your like your 10 to five minute breaks within. So that all goes with equity kind of thing. So you'd get there and then you'd kind of either go through the notes you got or you just like get your body ready, get warmed up. And then we'd either do a run through or learn a new scene or do some more blocking and different stuff like that. And what for some, sometimes we would do like a song in it. So for um, King Lear, we did have a few like 
singing portions, which was really interesting because we got to go with Molly Welsh, who is was the sound designer. And we would like do some tracks for that. And then we did a lot of like Scottish type thing. But that was very cool to like take a new sound and like have that in the show. So you don't always have day rehearsals. It just depends. It yes. just, just depends on what show you're doing. Mm-hmm. So after you did King Lear, now we're we're getting up to just this past year. And you did Wait Until Dark. Yes. And this was at uh, the Loft Theater. Mm-hmm. First time working at the Loft? Yes. Had you been there before? Did you know that it was, you know, was a converted barn? I knew what the Loft was, but I had never worked there. I think I, I had seen one show there, maybe. Maybe the Music Man. Okay. Yeah. So what was that experience like? Um, it was it was different than anything else I've ever done because it's very far in the country, and then you have much different people going to see that show. So um, the process was just a lot different, and then the show being what it was. So it's kind of like a thriller horror movie type thing, and I played Gloria, which is a very different character than anything I've ever played because she's kind of more of a like satirical, I guess, character. Okay. So um, what is the show about? So um, this woman who's blind, her husband goes to work for the day. And then um, there's these men who figure out that she has like this doll that someone gave her hidden in her freezer that has like diamonds in it. In the real show, it's drugs, but they changed it to diamonds. Okay. (laughs) So, um, and then these men come and like knock on her door and act like police. And then she has this little neighbor girl who comes and like helps her with chores and different stuff like that and like goes grocery shopping for her. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like, was that your character? Yes. Um, so kind of the dry humor of the show. Yeah. Then she would come in when like the guys were there, like, ruining the house and stuff like that. So yeah, very different. Was it well received? I don't know, actually. I think. I mean, you get, you had a lot of people there. Yes, it, it varied, but opening, we did have a lot of people. And then throughout the process, we had kind of different. Yeah. If, if people haven't been to a show out there, I think the first show I saw out there was The Sound of Music. It's just, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. It's very pretty. Yeah. I enjoyed that very much. Then you did Parade. Yes. I love Parade. (laughs) Tell me about your experience with Parade. So Parade is actually one of my favorite shows I have ever done. I love Parade so much. The music is beautiful. And then the story itself is just incredibly like saddening and just difficult to act in. And when you have a show like that, that's so deeply sad and like difficult to put on, I feel like the cast really bonds a lot because you kind of have to like get each other through that process and really love each other and be able to connect in a different level so that you can do your character justice. So just everyone in that show is so supportive and loving and I don't usually do musicals. So that was a very difficult process for me and different because it was a musical and I had um a good size role in it. So, so I'm curious why you don't do more musicals. And I ask that because sometimes there are people and, and I know this, I mean, I myself, I don't have a very good singing voice, so you would not find me in a musical (laughs) necessarily. Mm -hmm. It would have to be something that I think I would really, 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 really want to do. And then I probably wouldn't get cast, but it would be something that I would go out and audition for. But some people will only do straight plays like myself and some people only do musicals. So you're more comfortable doing plays or 
Well, I, I just love acting itself. So I think, and I really like drama mm-hmm. acting. So like more dramatic things and more humorous. Humorous isn't really my like thing, I guess. So um, I feel like with a lot of musicals, it is the more like humorous slapstick type of thing. Sure. So depending, obviously. Sure. But I don't love doing those, I guess. And I don't love the auditions for those because they really make me nervous. And I completely understand. Yeah. I completely understand. So you're so you're drawn to very, very dramatic things. Yes. That's understandable. Okay, so then Shakespeare in Love. Mm -hmm. And what was that about? And what was your role in that? So Shakespeare in Love is basically about like Will Shakespeare and kind of his life in living with his like lover. So he had he had a wife and um, then he had this secret like affair in another town. So it's kind of about that and how he um, he had a drama troupe and how this woman who was his lover kind of auditioned for the show, their drama troupe, and then made it in. But women weren't allowed to act on the public stage in London. Right. So um, she had to like dress as a man throughout the whole show. And that kind of carried in with the drama troupe and. Because she was the best and she was cast as um, Romeo. And then they had another like younger boy playing Juliet. And so um, it was basically about that process of the drama troupe. And then everyone found out that she was a woman. And so the show got shut down and then they had to like work their way way through that. Yes. And your role in that was? I was Webster. So I um, auditioned for the drama troupe and then didn't make it in, but showed up anyway. Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So there you have it. Yeah. And then after that, what did you do after that? Did you do something before She Kills Monsters? King John. Okay. Yes, King John. And that was also at Nebraska Shakespeare. Yes. And then you did She Kills Monsters, Mm -hmm. which was just this past August, September. Yeah. Uh, Yes. October-ish. October-ish. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. October. What was what was that experience like? That's a good that's a good script. Oh, yeah. I like that script a lot. It's very modern. And Tilly was very like me. So I felt very at home with her as a character. But it was a whole different twist because you add on the whole Dungeons and Dragons layer and that that Tilly is actually not alive and that she's actually is lesbian. So she is kissing girls and like it was it was me but with a lot of different layers added on to it right and then you add the stage combat and the different complexities with a teenager so and was that your first time working with stage combat or had you done that before in any of the Shakespeare plays that you did well in the Shakespeare plays previous I had gotten like murdered but I never actually wielded a sword so that was my first time actually working with a sword and fighting with people. Okay. And how was that? It was awesome. I <laughs> loved it so much. It was so fun. And it, it was amazing. I loved it. We got to do a lot of different stuff. And then working with the sword was so interesting and being able to like have that power within that and being like a warrior was very, very cool. And like, unlike anything I've ever done, I just felt very powerful holding this sword in my hand and being able to like work through this. And it's, it's like choreography and I love like dancing and different stuff like that. So it was very, very fun. I loved it. (laughs) And how did you approach that? How did you approach that character with the fact that, you know, it was, you know, was your character wasn't alive and, but yet you had to interact with your sister. And so how, how did all of that work out for you? Um, so we did a lot of table talks before and kind of decided like 
how did we die? How did um, Tilly get to this point? How is Agnes coping with this? That's kind of how we first approached it. And then throughout the process, I um, tried to work with the character and understand what she was really feeling. And then I did um, we did a lot of work with like Dungeons and Dragons because I never really experienced that um, playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was going to ask you that. Did you learn to play it? Yes, we did. So we actually right after our first read through, we played Dungeons and Dragons and Chris Scott actually made us an adventure. And so we got to play our own character with our own like our own uh, like powers with our character which was super cool so then um tilly's a paladin so that basically is like a, a kind of like a warrior leader healer type thing so i got to play with tilly and that really helped me understand how tilly heals people and how she uses her powers for good and um yeah so she's like she's lawful good so that's the highest you can be kind of thing. So you can like help everyone and you're always working to the like best of your ability to follow the law. So yeah, it was super cool. It sounds fascinating. I've Very. always kind of wanted to do Dungeons and Dragons and I, people still do it all the time mm-hmm. and I just have no concept of how that works. Yeah, so. it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to try that sometime. <laughs> so what is next for you? Do you have anything coming up? Um, I'm doing All's Well That Ends Well for Shakespeare on the Green. Okay. So that's the comedy this year, which is... Which is what you're drawn to as... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I just had to say that. Okay, so you're doing All's Well That Ends Well. Mm-hmm. With as much Shakespeare as you've done, you've also been involved with um, the Juno Swans uh, portion of Nebraska Shakespeare. So tell me a little bit about what that is and your involvement in it. Yeah. So um, Juno Swans was started during the time of um, Macbeth. They were doing Merry Wives of Windsor. And way back in Shakespeare's time, when he was um, first producing his shows, women were not allowed on the stage in London. So um, men played all of the roles. So for Merry Wives of Windsor, they decided to... Um, take that on. So they cast all the roles as men. And so Sarah Brown decided that she would kind of make a staged reading of that. So take Mary Wives of Windsor and then put all women in that to compare the two and kind of make that make more sense and less um, gendered. So she did Mary Wives of Windsor. That was the first time Juno Swans was ever created. And I was in that production And it was interesting to take a look kind of at the different use of pronouns in Shakespeare shows because he didn't give women many words to express themselves. And they were often much lower characters than the Richards and the Caesars and different things like that. So it's very cool. The readings to be able to play the roles you really want in um, a like safe setting. So um, Sarah decided to carry this on into years further. So then we did um, Richard III. And um, for that, we did also all female. And um, we did that at the Jocelyn Castle. We performed that. So um, and then all the women were able to play Richard at one point, because that is like a big dream role of a lot of people, I think. And so being able to play Richard and take on that character and be able to kind of see a different take from the villainous side, because often many people just see Richard as a villain. And so I think the thing that us women kind of 
brought onto that character and added as another layer is to see like how Richard was able to have complex emotions instead of being very one-sided in one character. So I think that was interesting with the all-female readings. And then that also carried on to Julius Caesar, which actually all the pronouns were changed. So instead of saying um, men throughout the whole thing, it was women. So at wi- at sometimes women are masters of their fate. Um, that quote was changed and it was brought in multiple times in the show to kind of um, highlight the pronoun change. And that the reason she did that was because to um, all's all's well that ends well is actually an all female production. So um, she wanted to test out kind of the different areas of doing that show. So, yeah. And when you did Julius Caesar, that was down at the Blue Barn, wasn't it? It was. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see that show and I didn't get a chance to see it. It was so fun. Yeah, it looked cool. There will be another Juno Swan this summer? Mm -hmm. And that's one is actually on the green. Okay. So the big production. Okay. Yes. So instead of a reading, it's real. It's real. Mm -hmm. Which is so cool. You get to be part of it. Yes, I'm so excited. And then obviously whatever comes up next. What would you say are your bucket list roles? What would you like to do? What's on your bucket list? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a a role that you could do now. I mean, it could be something that you could do, you know, in your 20s, 30s. I would love to be in Spring Awakening. Any role in Spring Awakening. I love Spring Awakening. A musical. I know. (laughs) A sad musical. It it is. It is sad. (laughs) It is sad. I'm just going to keep going after you. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Spring Awakening. Okay. Um, I'd love to play um, Richard III. Love to play Richard III. Okay. Hmm. Also, something in Fun Home, which is another musical. I- <laughs> but it's also a sad musical. It is a sad musical. That was really, that was really well done mm-hmm. when the Playhouse did Oh, it, it was. It was amazing. What would you say your favorite color is? My favorite color, either yellow or pink. Ooh. Yes. Very nice. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time and meet anyone, who would you want to meet? William Shakespeare. Okay. What would you ask him? Um, I think I'd try and talk through like iambic pentameter. Like why, why did you do this to your plays? Like, and then how he changed with everything. Super interesting. Like with his kind of lower down characters or perceived as lower class characters, how they were prose, so more poetry. And then his like kings, queens, higher class were in iambic pentameter. So how he deciphered through that, I think that would be very interesting topic to talk through. I am assuming that once you graduate from high school, you're going to pursue theater. Yes. In college. Yes, I would like to. Okay. As a performer, I'm yes, assuming. Yes, actor. Yes. Have you had the opportunity to do any other kind of theater positions, either in the community or at your school, like tech work, like lighting design or scenic design or anything like that? Um, so for our um, class drama play, we all kind of collaborated together. So we worked with costumes and then um, stage lights and different stuff like that. I would love to like research more into tech and kind of help more with that. I think that'd be interesting to do for upcoming productions and like be more involved in the techie aspect. And, you know, and it's it really makes for a good, well-rounded education, Mm -hmm. you know, because you'd be amazed at what talents you can take away from a scenic design class to fix something around your home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
True. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. What's your favorite curse word? Don't answer that. Don't answer uh, that. Uh, <laughs> Don't answer that. Vince would answer that very well. <laughs>